We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're talking advanced running back stats and Rotoviz wins on Rotoviz Radio. What's up, Rotoviz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Curtis Patrick here with Dave Caven. We're two of the owners here at Rotoviz, and we're flying high, baby. <laughs> yes, we we're are flying high. <laughs> oh my goodness, man! I was floating all day up above the clouds somewhere uh, up there outside the atmosphere with all the billionaires flying into space because <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, Roto- Team Rotoviz um, cashed a hundred and thirty grand worth of best ball prize money. Um, <laughs> this year, just incredible. Uh, Connor O'Driscoll takes down the FFPC hundred thousand dollar grand prize. Our, our, uh, owner, owner slash uh, podcast producer team of Blair Andrews, Colm Kelly and Sean Siegel take down 25 grand for second place. I ended up finishing 25, uh, 25th in the underdog contest for five grand. Dave, the wins just keep stacking up. We found out that Madison Park Hill, uh, finished fifth in the drafters contest today and uh, won himself a cool thousand bucks there. So it's just, it's just really, uh, just feels really great, um, to be smashing one of our favorite, uh, types of fantasy football to play in the uh, best ball format there. So, um, I'm sure you share all of those emotions with me today. Oh yeah. It's just so much fun, especially with these best ball leagues, because you know, the teams are out there and that they're good, but it's much harder to know where you're going to really end up in these things. Um, you know, even down to the last week or so, and then even some of these contests into the last couple of games. So it's just so much fun to actually see it pull through. Super interesting last night to follow <laughs> Jarvis Landry and his escapades in a, in a really wild game. Um, so yeah, just so much fun. Awesome for these guys. Happy for everybody. I saw a couple emails come through today too from listeners that won their leagues or, uh, you know, we're just, you know, won their dynasty league for the first year, stuff like that. So just always fun to get those messages. Yeah, it's true. It's trophy time. Um, you guys can take, definitely take a couple days, uh, to appreciate your accomplishments. You know, wh- whether you want a trophy, want a big, uh, pot, whether you just had like the best finish you've ever had, even if you didn't win, you progressed in some area, maybe you even just got better at selecting, 
fantasy contests or, you know, expanded the types of games that you play. I'm sure there's some element of your game that you can look back on and appreciate your progress, your personal progress from 2021. Then this weekend, we've got a transition <laughs> because the, the next big events we're going to focus on here uh, at Rotoviz and on this pod are the playoff challenge events. And, you know, we already saw a great article drop earlier today by Michael Dubner. He does been doing this article for a couple years. I just really love these playoff challenges. Um, there's a couple of them to choose from at the FFPC, Dave, one with a $500,000 um, <laughs> grand prize, which is pretty cool. Yep. Um, Underdog's got a contest with the $200,000 grand prize. Uh, I think FanDuel is also going to have a contest. So lot, lots of options out there. We'll be breaking down, you know, those different contests and, uh, um, you know, maybe the reasons to, to pick one platform or the other. But yeah, that that's just really fun. We got to figure out who all is in the playoffs in the NFL first. And one of the things that will impact that, I think, is the play of running backs, Dave, because in this final week, it's you know the running game, it's the defense, it's you know time of possession, ball control, limiting turnovers. It's that time of year where we see a little bit of a different brand of offense being played. And so I think some of these backs are going to impact the outcomes in week 18. So I'm going to kick it over to you to talk advanced running back stats. All right. So I'm just going to float this out there. You might hear Henry the cat and Phoebe the dog in the background. Henry not feeling uh, too great. Scheduled to go to the vet tomorrow, but he is happy to talk about some of these running backs. And one name we will mention is his favorite running back, uh, Derek Henry, uh, when you're talking about running backs. Um, but I looked at um, running backs that had recorded more than 100 attempts this year. Uh, and what we see is that Javante Williams, for starters, who we talked about earlier in the year, who was killing it, continued that trend throughout this entire season. 3.4 yards after contact, Curtis, the highest of any running back. I can say of the different things that I look at, yards after contact is one where you do tend to see guys that I think most people would agree are pretty talented, performing well in that metric. Uh, so he finishes first there. His broken tackle percentage of 15% was absurd because the closest player behind him was Devin Singletary at just 11.8. Wasn't as great at missed tackle percentage, still 16th though among running backs with 100 or more 10, uh, 100 or more attempts. But you put that together into evasion percentage with 21%. He's ties with Devin Singletary for the top rank. Uh, now, Devin Singletary got so high because he had a missed tackle uh, percentage rate of nine. Only Josh Jacobs was higher at 10. But I mean, this is a pretty impressive thing to see the way that he carried this throughout the season, was able to finish it. Uh, you know, we've talked time and time again about what that could mean for Williams when he truly takes over the backfield. Top five in evasion percentage, as I'm sure some people are interested. Williams, Singletary, Aaron Jones, Josh Jacobs. And Nick Chubb. I think one could argue that Singletary and Jacobs aren't quite as strong players as Jones and Chubb, but I think finishing among that group really speaks to the running back that he became, the running back that he is, and will remain excited about Javante Williams as we look toward the future. Uh, I did look at a couple other things. I don't know if you want me to pause here, though, in case you had anything that you wanted to say there before I get into some of the other stuff I looked this week. Yeah. So I think, you know, first, um, Javante Williams belongs in every 
uh, dynasty running back top five uh, at, at minimum. That's where the conversation starts. So as everyone's going back through the rankings, you know, you just go ahead and he's, he's in that group of backs that you're going to put in the top five. You, you know, we can debate how high he should go. Um, but I think he's really just going to be poised for a huge year two leap. You know, I, I, th- I was thinking back, you know, as you were talking about Williams there and how frustrated all of us were in 2020, where it was just so apparent that Jonathan Taylor was head and shoulders better than everybody in Indianapolis. And yet the team continued to feed three different backs. And it's like, you know, so somehow that perceived lack of solid role going into 2021 held down his ADP to make him truly a league winner. I mean, he would have been a league winner even at the the 101, but you know, he's especially a league winner at the one, two turn because of the questions that people had about workload. And I think that, you know, some people are going to learn from that situation and, and aggressively draft Javante Williams in 2022. But I think there will be enough people that will wonder, you know, even if Melvin Gordon is gone, who else is there? You know, is there still going to be a one, a one B situation? If he's this much better and the team potentially upgrades that quarterback as the Colts did too, um, or at least attempted to, we can argue Philip Rivers versus Carson Wentz, I guess. (laughs) Um, but, but that's not really the point. The idea here is that, you know, the Broncos offense should take a step forward with all of the young talent they have. And Williams has proved, you know, objectively that what happens when he is touching the ball uh, is better than what happens versus almost any other running back in the NFL. Um, so that should be get more volume and should be get more uh, fantasy production. The other thing I wanted to say is I know that was a Javante Williams segment, but I also came away hearing Devin Singletary's name quite a bit. And that's nothing new and, uh, because he always scores really well in these. So it was kind of unfortunate, unfortunate and frustrating this year that things weren't able to work out in Buffalo for him to be successful. Well, it kind of did in the playoffs, you know, that's true. just in yep. the play, you know, he, he didn't really necessarily help you during the season, but if, if you had, if you made the playoffs, um, or, or, you know, or especially in, in best ball where you didn't have to make the decision to start him, you know, he ended up being a pretty impactful player. So, yep. um, I, it's not even, I think the other useful thing here is when you're looking at what, you know, what players are doing on their own, you know, outside of what, you know, the team context or situation does for them at some point that talent is probably going to bear out in, in meaningful production difference, making production from a fantasy perspective. So I think Singletary maybe got more of that than he's gotten before. Um, at least in a small sample size, you know, he did seem to relegate Moss, uh, mostly to the bench, of course, still dealing with Josh Allen and, and vulturing touchdowns. But I think that's another takeaway is not even necessarily about Singletary. You know, we should be aware of the names that are showing up on this list uh, and they should be on our list of, you know, desired targets, you know, regardless of ADP. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I can't argue with that. Like we've mentioned, this is one way to look at something else that you might not see in some of those fantasy numbers or those counting stats that you're normally looking at. It's worth paying attention to. So I'm excited to see where it takes us next year as we start seeing some more players enter the league. Now, I was kind of curious about how backs fared when they were running against stack boxes uh, versus, you know, running against, you know, boxes that had fewer players in there. So I kind of chopped it up by looking at rushing attempts where a player was facing seven or more defenders in the box. Uh, Shouldn't come as a surprise that Nick Chubb is very good. Even when the box is stacked, Um, he had 157 attempts against stacked boxes, very high total among running backs, actually fifth 
among backs, but put up 5.4 yards per attempt against that type of situation, followed by a surprising name, Miles Sanders, then Jonathan Taylor at 5.3, Tony Pollard actually at 5.3, your boy Rashad Penny at 5.2. So kind of interesting to see the way that you could see like Miles Sanders, you might not expect, but impressive to see Tony Pollard up there. I think a lot of people were talking this season about how Pollard looked compared to Ezekiel Elliott, yet Dallas still trotted him out in so many situations. Elliott actually ranked 11th in terms of total rushes against boxes with seven or more defenders. Jonathan Taylor had 208, by far the most of any player, followed by Joe Mixon at 188, Derrick Henry at 177. Now, we talked earlier this week about how dominant Derrick Henry was and even missing a stretch of games. But basically, with the 177 attempts there, he faced the highest percentage of these guys that you're going to see of stack boxes and still was just crushing everybody. It's like 21 attempts versus a stack box every game. I think because he registered eight <laughs> games, right? I, I think, think it was 177 yeah. attempts in eight game. I mean, that's you know, uh, that's that's insane. Um, yeah, that that's definitely insane. Uh, you know, uh, there's all different types of backs showing up on yep. this list. You know, um, I, there's some backs that I think people just view as objectively good. There's some backs that benefited from high-end line play. There's some backs that um, uh, uh, ha- had a high percentage of uh, carries on RPOs, yep. um, doing well against these stack boxes. You know, in, in particular, seeing Miles Sanders and Jordan Howard show up here with the threat of the run from Jalen Hurts that that clearly is keeping you know people on their on their heels. Um, you know, but that that varies widely from Nick Chubb and, and Dearney Johnson doing it against a team that Baker Mayfield, you know, was scaring yep. nobody. Um, so, so, you know, just kind of breaking apart how that yards per attempt occurred um, against the stack box and, and why the players may have been as successful, I think is, is a meaningful situational, you know, based analysis too. Um, what about, what about uh, rushing attempts versus lighter boxes? Dave? Right. So it's interesting. You do see a different mix of backs here for the most part. I would say backs that probably people would consider to not be as talented as the ones I mentioned before. Uh, Kareem Hunt with 6.9 yards um, per attempt when facing six or less, followed by Naheem Hines, Chase Edmonds, still see Jonathan Taylor and Nick Chubb in there, Tony Pollard. Uh, they were around 5.9, getting down to Ronald Jones at 5.8, Penny, Samaje Pirine, Miles Sanders. Uh, but the players that were rushing against these situations most frequently were Najee Harris at 144 attempts, James Conner at 114. Big drop off there. So some, I think, could argue that that was helping Harris to produce some of the way that he did. Uh, you have Antonio Gibson at 93, Joe Mixon at 92. Jonathan Taylor, 89, Montgomery, 83, Devin Singletary at 80, uh, Zeke Elliott at 79, uh, Miles Sanders at 69. Of course, you see, it's interesting. You see Tony Pollard, Curtis, being among the most efficient backs in both of those lists, yet you don't see him getting the most attempts. You see Elliott. Uh, So something that I'm sure people that invested heavily in Pollard this year aren't happy to see. Nonetheless, I find that kind of interesting. And then there's there's one more thing I looked at, but I'll pause there too in case anything stood out to you about those names. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. 
Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Man, I've been hyping Tony Pollard uh, since the year that he came out. Um, and he didn't have a lot of college production, um, but he had he was a Swiss Army knife producer uh, at Memphis, had lots of kick and punt return production, had the receiving production, had the uh, rushing production. And, you know, I, I was kind of equating him to a potential, you know, future Jamal Charles type. I mean, he's got the same body type. He's got this a, a similar skill set. Um, you know, one, one or two cuts and then, you know, just kind of razoring through, um, you know, the defensive seams. And one of these years, he's not going to unfortunately have the type of um, sustained success over three or four seasons, probably that, that Charles enjoyed. But I think we're going to get a year. We're going to see a year where Tony Pollard has, you know, 1300 plus yards from scrimmage. And it could be next season. Even um, I, I think there's there's a pretty good argument to be made. Uh, for the Cowboys just, you know, treating Zeke Elliott like, you know, a rented mule this year. Um, he's he's only going to become less efficient um, as he continues to age within that bad deal. And you, you might as well front load his, uh, his volume and his workload, um, you know, and keep Pollard fresh for when you need to, you actually need to make that, that switch. Um, you know, it'd be probably better for us in fantasy and probably better overall for the Cowboys offense, which has kind of been sputtering of late uh, to just give Pollard those touches now. But, you know, I guess if I was the GM of the team and, and weighing all factors, you know, I, I understand it's not as simple as we would like it to be uh, at times in fantasy. So it is great. Uh, I think I see just him. Let's see in terms of like the top producers, it's really Pollard and Taylor. The only two showing up in the top six yep. on both lists. Uh, that's pretty good company. <laughs> and then Rashad Penny actually also top eight yep. 
in both lists. So those are the only three. Um, I mean, wow, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Now, one point um, I feel like making too about Zeke is he's only 26 right now, but he's already been in the league six years, um, which that piece isn't surprising because it's starting to feel like he's an older back given the amount of time that we've seen him. Uh, so that's something I would keep in mind uh, for those dynasty managers out there. You know, if you're if you're just looking things up and thinking to yourself, all right, well, he's only 26. You know, we see some players go to 27, 28. You know, maybe that's not the case here with, with Zeke in terms of the amount of, you know, seasons you're going to get into that age bracket. Yeah, and he's been being used heavily dating back to his three years at Ohio state yep. as well. I mean, he really has nine, 10 years of consistent heavy production and not every back that comes into the league gets the type of freshman workload that Ezekiel Elliott got, you know, most of those guys come in with this, you know, a growing role as a sophomore, a junior season breakout perhaps, or, or maybe, you know, you once in a while you get the Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley types, Ezekiel Elliott types, but that's not, you know, the only profile that, that hits in the NFL. Usually we're getting a year and a half or maybe two years of that higher end production in college, not three straight years. So lots of context there with Zeke, but I think the takeaway is Tony Pollard could potentially be <laughs> a post 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 hype sleeper yep. in 2022 yet again. Right. And I don't think he's going to command uh, a very expensive ADP. Uh, so another cool thing that I wanted to look at here and, you know, a lot of what I'm doing is trying to wrap my head around why things played out for certain players the way that they did versus using some of these metrics to try and, build out my prognosis on players for next year. I'm not at that point in my process yet. I wouldn't imagine that people would expect it to be. But attempts when winning by 11 or more, we actually see Jonathan Taylor coming in at first, followed by James Conner, Devin Singletary. Interestingly enough, Ramondre Stevenson, Joe Mixon, Melvin Gordon, Derek Henry, Javante Williams, Zach Moss, Sony Michelle, Tony Pollard, Dalvin Cook. Um, which is a really interesting piece there with Pollard. But of course, what you're going to see here reflected is that, you know, teams that fared decently well, we're going to see those players more commonly. Um, attempts when trailing by 11 or more, Najee Harris has the most at 55, James Robinson at 51, Michael Carter at 48, Devontae Booker at 44, David Montgomery at 43, Saquon Barkley, 39, uh, Mark Ingram, 32, DeAndre Swift, 30, Antonio Gibson, 30, Joe Mixon, 29, actually Derek Henry at 27, um, you know, even when trailing, they were still not afraid to give him the ball, <laughs> yeah. which I mean, I didn't even know Deandre Swift had 30 carries this year. Like I think every carry that he had, <laughs> they were trailing by 11 or more points. It, it just feels like he was never on the field at any point. I know. Um, it's kind of crazy to see him in the top 10 of any running back list. Yeah. So, you know, I, I don't know if I have any major takeaways there, but I think that the most interesting thing to me was just seeing the amount of uh, plays that Harris was getting and they were trailing by 11 or more. I think it speaks to, how he was able to amass so many expected points, which we'll talk about later because the team was using him across so many different situations. This ties in the high value touches that we talked about for him in total and percentage of team high value touches where, you know, basically every high value touch that the team had went his way, um, which I guess I'll just bump right into expected points. Now I looked at these in total, um, in weeks one through week 17 on a per game basis, Derrick Henry, 21.2 led the league, followed by Harris at 19.9, then Alvin Kamara at 19, 
Taylor at 18.5, Dalvin Cook at 17.6, Fournette at 17.4, McCaffrey at 17.3, Swift at 17.3, Eckler at 17.1. I think that the difference between Henry and Harris there is actually notable how much higher Henry was than other players, given the fact that so much of his or such a high percentage of his expected points are coming from the rushing work. Um, I lost my train of thought on the other thing that I wanted to point out there, Curtis. Oh, I think it was that um, there's actually like it's happening gradually, but between Derek Henry at one and Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, around like 11 and 12, that's a pretty big cliff there. That 21.2 Delta versus 17.1 is pretty legitimate. Uh, yeah, it is. Um, it, it's it's kind of actually, it's kind of flat after the clear yep. top tier. Um, you know, there's like the back end RB ones all had, you know, similar roles. I think when I'm looking at this list um, of expected points and, you know, I'm looking here at the rushing EP and the receiving EP, I think in the context of the season, like as I, as I would box score scout and, and watch games, like I just never felt like despite his high end fantasy production and never felt like people were super pumped about Najee Harris's rookie season. Yeah. And I think it's because like all of the stank that was on the Steelers offense, like, you know, basically Deontay, you know, Deontay ended up kind of getting there, but even then just, somehow felt like he underwhelmed versus expectations because mm-hmm. the people that were high on him were like overall wide receiver one, like type eye on him. Um, but Claypool underperforming Juju, um, you know, becoming a non-factor like Ben just being busted. Like, I, I think we kind of threw the baby out with the bathwater a little bit, not appreciating Najee for, for what he was doing. Now he wasn't necessarily hyper efficient, but, but geez, I mean, he had the fifth most, um, rushing EP per game at 10.8 and the second most receiving EP per game with 9.1 had the most stable role of any running back in the NFL. And I don't think with the Steelers bringing in a new quarterback next season, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a journeyman free agent or, or whether, you know, even if it's, it's like a, you know, a high end guy, you know, like maybe Russell Wilson ends up there, Aaron Rodgers ends up there. Um, you know, we saw Rogers and Tomlin giving each other eyes, you know, uh, toward the end of last season. So who, who knows what's going to happen, but the Steelers are going to have better quarterback play, which will lead to more scoring opportunities for Harris, which will lead to a more efficient fantasy production profile because touchdowns are usually what feed that, or they're going to have, you know, lower end quarterback play and just completely <laughs> ride him again in year two. So, I, I mean, to me, if I'm thinking about early redraft rankings for next year, like, I mean, not Najee Harris. I, I know we're going to get Christian McCaffrey back, you know, hopefully. And you know, maybe the Saints improve their situation. And we still got to, you know, be high on um, Kamara, Henry. But I mean, Harris is right there. Like he, he's got to be right away in your top five RBs, potentially higher um, once we know what's going to happen at the quarterback position. And from a dynasty value perspective, it just feels like everyone wanted the other players to be um, to hit like he wasn't the exciting one. Cause he's older coming in, um, you know, not necessarily a breakaway player, you know, it just kind of felt like, you know, David Montgomery with better draft capital or something, uh, it's just kind of how people have viewed him, but he had a fantastic year. And, uh, you know, I, I think that we need to make sure that we're, we're valuing, valuing him properly. Um, and so I'm going to pay special attention to that, especially after looking at the advanced profile here. 
Well, for sure, because the key thing that I'm thinking about, as you talked about where he ranked in both of those lists, is that in recent seasons, the players that we see getting into that range are the Alvin Kamara's and the Christian McCaffrey's. And I don't think that it's by accident here that we're seeing him land in so many of these lists and people could knock the talent. But I think you just laid out the reasons why, at least for next year, he's going to remain relevant for redraft. And I think that you can make many compelling arguments for dynasty. If you're looking out a couple of years, why he remains relevant. Um, so I think yeah, that last yep, thing, yep. last thing, I mean, I think I underappreciated. Like I know he was he was producing a lot of you know he had a lot of receiving action, but I mean through sixteen games, ninety targets. Like yes, yeah, ninety yep. targets. You know, um, you know this is a big deal. Yep. Uh, you know he just didn't have he just did not have uh, elite touchdown production. I mean ten touchdowns on all the touches that you know on almost. Uh, Let's see, 70 receptions. I mean, on 366, is that right? 366 touches, 10 yep. touchdowns. I mean, it's not great. That's not the type of rate you would want from from a truly elite guy. But, I, you know, you could also argue that that should correct next year. So, you know, again, just one more, th- one more. I think, um, you know, micro argument for, you know, building a case for Najee in 2022. Yeah. So just because you talked about it, I will uh, throw it of players with more than 100 rushing attempts. Uh, James Conner was most efficient scoring 13 or a touchdown for every 13 rushing attempts followed by Damian Harris at 14, Jalen Hurts at 14, Eckler at 17, which is really interesting. Taylor at 18 and James Robinson actually at 20. Um, But agree with everything you said there before that just wanted to throw out that final note. I think, though, that that concludes us for this week. We will be back on Friday, and I think you alluded to it, Curtis, but you're pretty excited about the topic for Friday. Yeah, we're going to we're going to cut up um, some some updates to our our dynasty rankings, man. Uh, Sean and I have have done our first pass for 2022, still kind of tweaking, getting it, um, you know, where it needs to be. Um, but I feel pretty locked in around my top 50 and, and I've gone through my top 150. Dave, you're working on yep. yours right now. And I, and I think, you know, we, we can start with, you know, let's lock in that first round of startups and super flex tight end premium. Cause there's a lot of changes in the quarterback position this year. And there's a lot of changes in who the elite value running backs and receivers and tight ends. I mean, there's upheaval at every position. Um, it looks so much, it's going to look so much different next year. So we're going to get people amped up to play some dynasty. And if we got a little time, you know, maybe we'll hit, uh, some teasers on the playoff challenge, uh, games, um, from a, from a high level strategy, or maybe we'll save that for early next week. So, uh, we will see, uh, I do want to mention because I've got into the habit and there, there might be some of you that are like, Hey, you didn't tell us what bourbon you're <laughs> drinking tonight. Um, I, I went, uh, this is a tip of the cap. Um, to Justin Jefferson. I've got the Jefferson's ocean aged at sea, Dave. It's from voyage 19. They age this bourbon on um, cargo ships. Oh, wow. It spends its entire life in a barrel on a cargo ship. And there's actually like a manifest that comes. You can see like which ports uh, the bourbon was in um, as it was aging. So, you know, there's, there's so much marketing. Yep. Uh, stuff in, in bourbon that, you know, uh, supposedly the bourbon sloshing around in the barrels more <laughs> and pulling in more of the sugars from the, I don't know if I buy all of that. It is a cool concept. Yep. Um, and they're charging me a markup for it, but it is pretty damn cool. So, uh, it, it's also an excellent bourbon. So, um, uh, do recommend if you can, in particular, if you can find 
Voyage 19, you know, they, they number all the voyage, the voyages. The reason to buy Voyage 19 is it's a special weeded, wheated mash bill. Okay. And so for those of you that, um, you know, you, you like the, the Pappy Van Winkles, the Maker's Mark types of uh, flavor profiles, you're going to like Jefferson's Agency. And again, shares the name with Justin Jefferson. So pretty cool. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 